turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verse, uh, starting in verse 24 this morning, but I want to just kind of catch you up a little bit on where we are. Uh, Zach last week uh, taught us about Paul in the city of Corinth. Uh, And so what we find out as we go on is that Paul stays in Corinth for about two years. Uh, And then in chapter 18, verse 18, uh, verses 18 through 22, he actually makes his way back to the city of Antioch where he started. And so uh, in 18 through 22, we actually have the end of Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, So uh, he leaves um, Corinth. He makes a brief stop in the city of Ephesus, and he leaves his friends uh, Priscilla and Aquila there, and we'll talk about them in just a a minute. Uh, And then he sails southeast across the Mediterranean Sea, lands at Caesarea, goes up and visits the church in Jerusalem, and then uh, heads north uh, back to his home church in Antioch. And that is probably where uh, he, he closes out around 51 A.D., if you're, a, if you're a history person, if you're a timeline person, that's where we are. And in the, the following spring, so that would be uh, 52 A.D., Paul strikes out on what will be his third missionary journey. Uh, and we're going to pick that up, uh, pick up that story in verse 23. I'm going to start reading in verse 23. So let's give our attention to God's word. After spending some time there, that is, in Antioch, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So if you're keeping score, Paul is going over the the exact same ground that he's already traveled twice before. He's going back through the churches he'd already established to continue to build them up and strengthen them. Now... A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And it happened That while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. May he bless the reading and the hearing and now the preaching of his holy word. Uh, If you've ever taken a road trip, particularly a long road trip with children, uh, what is the inevitable question that comes from the back seat? Are we there yet? Right. And, And usually repeatedly and usually with increasing intensity, the closer that you get. Right. There's something about being close that actually makes it worse. And uh, kids, don't worry, adults feel the exact same way. Uh, They've just learned to, you know, keep their mouth shut. Um, But we we feel it, too. Right. Uh, Maybe you've been on a long trip and you've had a a flat car, a flat tire or your car has broken down um, when you were close to your destination um, maybe, uh, maybe you were flying home after a long work trip, and then you get stuck in the airport with weather delays or an unexpected layover, right? You, you've felt that almost there feeling, right? That, that, that feeling of being so close and yet not quite there. Uh, well, today we actually meet some people who are almost there as it concerns Jesus. First, we see Apollos' encounter with Priscilla and Aquila, and then Paul's encounter with 12 of John the Baptist's disciples. But in both cases, we meet people who are almost there. Uh, they haven't quite believed in Jesus yet. They haven't quite finished the journey, right? Something is missing. And so what I want to do is I want to look at these two episodes this morning. Uh, The first, under under the uh, title, The Hidden Ministry. And then the second, under the the title, The Missing Spirit. So let's look at this first episode with Apollos and uh, Priscilla and Aquila, this hidden ministry. Right? Uh, If you were to meet Apollos, he is the kind of man that you would look up to. He is from Alexandria, one of the ancient centers of learning and culture. It was a well-renowned place. Uh, Luke tells us that he's educated, that he's skilled in communicating. He's an expert public speaker. So not only is he not only does he have a good education, but he can also communicate to people in a way uh, that resonates with them. And we also see. Uh, that he is powerful in the scriptures, that he's competent. In other words, uh, as a Jewish man, he knew his Bible and he knew it well, uh, what we would call the Old Testament. Not only that, not only is he well-educated, not only is he well-spoken, not only does he know his Bible, but Luke even says that he is instructed in Uh, The ways of the Lord, right? He has been literally catechized in the way of the Lord. It seems that he knows something about Jesus. And he even speaks about Jesus accurately. And he was excited. He was fervent in spirit or in the spirit. It's ambiguous. 
but he was passionate. Not only was he educated, not only was he a good speaker, not only did he know his Bible, not only could he point people to Jesus, but he did it with zeal. This is the kind of guy you want on your team, right? This, is, this, man, seems, uh, this man has it all, or at least seems to. He comes to Ephesus, and he goes into the synagogue, uh, and he gets up to speak, and he starts connecting the dots from the scriptures to Jesus, which is exactly what Paul had done when he, he had stopped in Ephesus not long before this. Paul had done the same thing. But in the congregation are sitting Priscilla and Aquila. And they're also Jewish, and they'd had to leave Rome. And we saw that last week they met Paul in Corinth. They believed in Jesus, and they worked alongside Paul. And they're now in Ephesus, and they're in the synagogue, and they're listening to Apollos. And you can imagine that as he speaks, they're nodding their heads. They're saying, this is good. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if Jewish people say amen in the synagogue, but they may have given Apollos a few amens. But then they, they realize, as they're listening, that, that something's not quite right. That Apollos is, is missing something. Luke says that he only knew the baptism of John. Now, we're, we, we run into that later, so I'm going to explain a little bit more what that probably means when Paul meets the disciples of John the Baptist. But somehow, Apollos' knowledge is deficient. And, and Luke doesn't explain how or why, right? He doesn't explain in detail what's missing. He just says that Priscilla and Aquila noticed this, and they take him aside and they correct him, right? It says they explain to him the way of God more accurately. Now, like I said, we'll talk about what it, what, what it means that, that Apollos only knew the baptism of John, but before we do that, I want to I spend some time talking about Priscilla and Aquila and how important their ministry is. And I, and I love this scene. It's so instructive for us because, right, we love, and humans have always loved, and so Americans are no different, but, right, we love big personalities, don't we? Ours is a celebrity culture. We love celebrities, we love talented people, we love gifted people, we love influential people. And if anything pushes back against it, against that cult of celebrity, it's this story. Because Apollos is a big personality. He's well educated, he's very gifted, right? He has it all. And I think most of us would probably have just sat at his feet, taking copious notes, tweeting and retweeting his quotes and telling our friends to come and to listen. But you have this tent-making, blue-collar couple, Priscilla and Aquila, take him quietly aside, right? They, they wait till he gets off the podium, and they go up to him and they talk to him maybe in the, in the foyer of the synagogue after the service was over. And they say, hey, listen, we really appreciated your message. But we had a few questions for you. You want to come grab dinner at our house later and let's talk. Right? They, they take him aside and they explain to him the way of God more 
accurately, right? They, they help Apollos, the celebrity, the big personality, fill in the gaps. And so what we can learn from this is that little people matter, right? The ministry, I should say it this way, the ministry of little people matter. While we love big people, big personalities, very gifted, very educated, right? We're drawn to that. What's beautiful about this passage is that for all of Apollos' training and skill, he's the one who needs correction. And it's these two backup singers, right? Priscilla and Aquila, who come along and do that. And so what that tells us is that little people are just as vital, maybe even more so, in God's kingdom than big people. That as far as God's economy goes, there's no such thing as big people and little people. Yes, there are some people who have influence. There are some people who are gifted, who are well-educated, who are good communicators. But as far as God's economy is concerned, their ministry is no more vital than the garden variety Christian. In fact, it's interesting, we see Priscilla and Aquila's names come up uh, a few times uh, in different parts of the New Testament. And their story is never explained in great detail. They didn't write any letters, right? They, didn't, uh, they don't seem to do anything spectacular. But what we see, for instance, uh, when Paul writes his first letter to the church in Corinth, he talks about his ministry, and he talks about Apollos' ministry. He says, he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. But do you know when Paul wrote to Corinth, he wasn't there and Apollos wasn't there? Who was there? Little people, right? After the big guys are gone, the work of ministry continues, and it continues among Little people, ordinary people, like Priscilla and Aquila. They had to give up their home in Rome. Uh, Emperor Claudius had, had ordered the Jews to leave the city of Rome. And so they simply took their, their business, their tent-making business on the road, and they used it in Corinth to support Paul. And then we see them in Ephesus. And we see that they hosted a church in their home, whether that was in Corinth or Ephesus, not 100% sure, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 16 that it was Priscilla and Aquila who saved his neck, that they stuck their necks out for him. We see again, they, they end up back in Rome and they host the church in Rome in their home. And so it's the Priscilla's and Aquila's who, after the big boys have moved on, remain faithfully Working in the field that other people have sown and watered. Are you a Priscilla? Are you an Aquila? You may not think that you have all of these amazing, wonderful gifts. You, fa you may, in fact, think, you know what? That the, the field is for the people who have, who have gifts, and, and I just stay in the dugout. Friend, in the kingdom of God... No one is left in the dugout. Everyone has a ministry. And so the question is not, do I have a ministry? The question that you need to ask the Holy Spirit is, what is my ministry? 
Where can I be an Aquila? Where can I be a Priscilla? Where can I encourage and build up the church? That's the question that this first episode gives us, right? Don't be ashamed of being a background singer. It's the background singers, in fact, who carry on the ministry of the church long after the celebrities uh, have gone away. Second, let's talk about the missing spirit. After Aquila and Priscilla and the church in Ephesus send Apollos over to Corinth, Paul returns. He's made his way overland. He comes back to the city of Ephesus. And as he returns, he finds these 12 followers, these 12 disciples of John the Baptist. And after spending some time with them, realizes that, like Apollos, they're missing something. Or more particularly, they're missing someone. Paul asks them this question, and I'm not sure what it is that prompts him to ask them, but he asks them in verse 2 of chapter 19, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Something about them makes Paul notice that they're, they're missing. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And in fact, they say, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, if these men uh, had been with John the Baptist, then they would have known there was a Holy Spirit because John said as much. He said that he baptized with water, but when the Messiah comes, that the Messiah would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so what they probably mean, what it probably means when they say we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit, it means we haven't heard that he has come. Right, John, when John was doing his ministry, the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. Right, so what these men probably mean is that they had not realized that the Holy Spirit had come, which is what prompts Paul to ask them, who baptized you? Now, baptize, that's a fancy word. It means to wash. In other words, Paul is asking, who, who washed you? Under whose authority? And they say, John. And that's what, that's what tells Paul, right? That now Paul sees what they are missing. When they say that they've only been washed or baptized by John, he realizes that they've only got part of the story. They are not all the way there. Because you see, John's job was to get people ready for the Messiah. His washing was a washing of repentance. That's what Paul says. In, that's, what, uh, yeah, that's what Paul tells them in verse 4. Paul said, John washed with the washing of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. So what he tells these guys is, you've only, you've only really taken the first step. right? In, in other words, these guys are still waiting John had prepared them, but they're still waiting for the Messiah to show up. Uh, they're, they're waiting in the train station without realizing that their train has already arrived. And so that's what Paul goes on to tell them about. They hadn't heard that Jesus had come. And so what he does, right, there's a gap between what they were expecting and reality. And Paul closes that gap by pointing them to Jesus, right? He finishes connecting the dots, he leads them to believe in Jesus. He baptizes them into Jesus' name, which means under Jesus' authority. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to talk about this for just a little bit, because if you come from a Pentecostal or charismatic background, 
uh, our, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters look at this passage and, and say that the Christian life is really a two-stage event. That uh, the first stage is you believe in Jesus, right? That you are saved. And then the second stage you need to look for and pray for is a second blessing of the Holy Spirit. That that's the normal Christian life. Step one, step two. But that actually, that view does not square with the rest of the book of Acts. Right? What we see happen when the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2 on the Jews, in Acts 8 on the Samaritans, and then in Acts 10 on the Gentiles, is that when people believe, they receive the Holy Spirit. That what's happening in each one of those instances as the Holy Spirit is poured out, breaks a new ethnic boundary, you see this special outpouring of the Spirit uh, in tongues and prophesying, etc., now, why that happens here with these 12 men, I don't know. Not 100% sure. But the point that, it, uh, the, the, the point that's, that, that Luke wants us to see is that Paul has closed the gap. That these brothers who were not quite there, they hadn't believed in Jesus, right? They had some knowledge, but they, weren't, they had not believed in Jesus. He closes the gap in their understanding, and they finally get the whole story and trust in Jesus. Which leads me with another, to another takeaway, and it's this. <clears throat> Not only do little people matter uh, in God's kingdom economy, but also precision matters. Words matter, right? Uh, there will always be a need for explaining things more accurately. Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila, they don't leave people in ignorance, Right? Apollo, Apollos was accurate, but he needed to be more accurate. These 12 disciples of John knew some of the story, but Paul needed to give them the whole story. It's, it's like those, uh, those new commercials with Tracy Morgan uh, for Rocket Mortgage. Uh, maybe you've seen them. Uh, the, the family's trying to figure out if they can buy this house or not, and the wife says, Are we sure we can afford this house? And the husband says, pretty sure. And then Tracy Morgan pops up. He's a comedian, if you don't know who that is. Tracy Morgan pops up and he says, uh, you need to be certain. And the dad says, what's the difference between pretty sure and certain? And then you have like all these scenarios of when it's a good idea to be certain. Like if you're going to eat a mushroom in the woods, you don't want to be pretty sure it won't kill you. You want to be certain, right? Friend, let's be certain. When it comes to the things concerning the truth, let's be certain when it comes to the message of Christianity. Let's not settle for vague religious notions and spirituality. Let's make sure we know that we are certain about the truth of what Christianity teaches, which then raises this question. Is your understanding of Jesus complete? Or are you like Hugh Latimer? Hugh Latimer was a Catholic priest and bishop in Great Britain near the beginning of the, uh, the 1500s. Uh, Hugh Latimer was educated. He was eloquent. And he knew the Bible and theology. You could not have risen to his position without it. He's much like Apollos. And yet... While he knew who Jesus was, he knew a lot about Jesus, 
He did not actually know Jesus. He had not trusted in Jesus, had not been forgiven of his sins. That is, until a quiet, obscure monk named Little Bilney, because of his small size, Little Bilney comes to Latimer and asks him to hear his confession. And so as Latimer and Bilney step into the confessional booth, Bilney tells Latimer all about his sin and about how he's unable to save himself by his good works. But how Jesus has died for him by his grace. That Jesus has taken Bilney's sin on himself and given Bilney his righteousness. Not by works, but by grace. And so uh, Bilney is saved by faith and not by works. Well, it's thanks to that confession of little Bilney that Hugh Latimer finally believes in Jesus. And he goes on to boldly proclaim this good news until the church burns him at the stake in 1555. So perhaps you've only got part of the story. You know about God. You've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've memorized the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer. You've been in church for a long time. You know Bible stories, and maybe you've even taught some. But you don't actually know Jesus. It's as if you're showing the house to others, but you've never actually lived there yourself. You've never realized that Jesus came for you to take your place, to become sin for you, so that in him you would become his righteousness. Well, let me invite you this morning. You're almost there. Finish the journey. Come to Jesus and be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for getting us all the way home. Even when we may think we've already arrived, Lord, would you reveal to us this morning uh, those of us who are still on the journey, those who have not yet, as the, the Puritans would say, closed with Christ. God, I pray that you would lead us to do so this morning, that we would not be content with being pretty sure but that we would be certain. Lord, for those of us who don't have a grand ministry like a Hugh Latimer or Apollos, we're just a little building. God, would you make us eager to close the gap with our friends and neighbors, to point them to Christ so that they may be saved. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand uh, and give.